This is Women Who Build Empires, a podcast celebrating women entrepreneurs and thought leaders who are turning the tables on outdated old school belief systems and building business empires that align with who they are, how they work, and how they are leaving a lasting legacy. And I'm your host, Emmy Kirshner, serial entrepreneur, investor, and business consultant for ambitious women entrepreneurs who are boldly taking their business to the next level. In each episode, you're going to get to know the women who are unafraid to put it all on the line as they share the stories of how both success and failure have helped them become incredible CEOs. Hey, Empresses. I am fairly certain that if we took a survey asking you if you would like to have more money coming into your existence, 99% of you would say absolutely heck Yes. Who doesn't want a little more cash coming into their world, right? And today's guest, Jennifer Whitaker, can help you do that. Jennifer has over 25 years of combined experience as a certified life coach, spiritual director, and philanthropy executive. She is deeply rooted in her belief that women have been called to this time to raise the consciousness of the planet and she teaches women how to take their highest contribution to the world by embracing their inherent worthiness and cultivating a sacred relationship with money. So a couple of points that I think you're going to truly enjoy in this interview are how wealth actually comes from your relationship with your inner self, not things that are happening or occurring externally to you. The four stages of self-worth And if you've ever been in one of those moments where you're about to make a really big decision that could be completely life-altering and you've waffled back and forth between excitement and fear, she's going to share how to merge those two feelings and make the decision that is best for you. And don't forget, Empresses, if you're feeling stuck overwhelmed, you're struggling with hiring team that you can keep on and have time to train who really turn into team members that contribute to the bottom line, hop on a rev up your revenue call with me. A recent survey that I just took, 58% of all entrepreneurs struggle with hiring and find that they have a hard time keeping the right people in the right seats for their business. You'll find the link for Rev Up Your Revenue audit call in the show notes. Jennifer, welcome to Women Who Build Empires. I am so excited to have you here. We talked, I don't know, several weeks ago, but it felt like forever and not enough time all at the same moment. Um, I just feel such a deep connection to you. Share with everybody a little bit about who you are and the magic you make and We'll just, we're going to have a really cool conversation. I can already feel it. I love that. Thank you for having me here. I agree. It was probably about a month ago that you and I chatted and it was this instant connection. And so I feel this kindred spirit between the two of us. So I'm excited for this conversation today. A little bit about me is I was raised in a religious family. And I say that because the path that I've gone on has to become a spiritual coach. So that was integral in the process of me getting to where I am today. 
And as I got older into my early adult years, I really began to explore the difference between religion and spirituality. It was when I moved to California that that first opened up to me. Unsurprising, California is just really into that kind of open-minded thinking around spirituality. So that was my introduction into uh, creating a more spiritual versus religious life um, and really seeing the universe as uh, loving instead of judging. Mm -hmm. And from that space, I really started to dedicate my life to living a life of love and making a difference. I entered the world of the nonprofit sector and worked as a philanthropy executive for many, many years and studied and worked alongside um, the Bransons, the Gates, all the big names and really learned about wealth and making the world a better place through wealth. And not too long ago, I was actually exploring starting my own business. And I gathered a bunch of girlfriends that were doing amazing things, writing books, uh, starting their own nonprofits, starting their own companies, and just gathered informally in my living room just to support each other through these endeavors. And I found that I was enjoying coaching them. I kind of fell into the role of coaching through that gathering more than I enjoyed even building the business um, that I originally was exploring. And one of my girlfriends said, I wonder if you would prefer to be a coach. And she had no idea that secretly when I was at crossroads in my career, I often thought, should I be a coach? Well, before everybody was becoming a coach. And um, there was something about her saying that that really just clicked and felt right. And so I um, got my certification as a life coach. I studied for three years um, at San Francisco Theological Seminary to become a spiritual director and began to integrate all of the experiences and education from the coaching, from the spiritual direction, from being a philanthropy executive and um, developing a program around sacred wealth. Because I really do believe that women can make such a transformative change in this world and in their own lives when we not only form a sacred relationship with ourselves, but with money, um, when we are able to reach the uh, financial goals that we've set for ourselves um, and exceed them, we are the ones that are going to be contributed contributing more significantly to nonprofits. We are the ones that will then be able to sit with powerful men across from big tables, making important decisions. I think it's really important for our world, for more women to have wealth, but to build it in a new way and build it in a sacred and healthy way that aligns with who we are as women. Wow. That's all I'm going to say is wow. There's so much to unpack with everything that you just said. So I want to back up um, a little bit. And for you define the differences between being religious and being spiritual. And we'll move. Yeah. Forward. I think I'm still learning how to define that. And I think it's kind of unique and it changes as I continuously evolve and grow spiritually. But I'd say, you know, my family was well-intentioned. They wanted me to be brought up with good values and I respect that and honor that. And I, it's gotten me to where I am today, but I feel institutionally it is spirituality is almost described or fed to us as a one size fits all. Mm -hmm. And 
It also removes so much um, inclusiveness and removes the sacred feminine from spiritual practices. It's hard for, I'll speak for myself, it was hard for me to see myself in God when we're always using male pronouns. Mm -hmm. We're always talking about stories in the sacred texts around men's journeys, Um, very few around women. And I craved hearing more about powerful women. I craved more about hearing about our connection to earth and not that it was something sinful and witchy and pagany and all of those things. I knew I was connected to the earth. I knew I felt more myself um, around nature. I craved something different than an institution. I wanted that freedom and expansiveness for me to create something that expressed the uniqueness of me. And so I think spirituality has a more vastness and expansiveness and some freedom to define the divine God however you want to versus in religion, it is defined for us. And so I liked the freedom of being able to find myself in God, the divine love, whatever that is, find a spiritual practice that worked for me versus a ritual or for me, it was Christian. Um, I grew up in the Christian church, a Bible verse or whatever it might be. I was able to find affirmations and mantras and things that worked for me. And outside of my own traditional upbringing, I looked at other religions and other things that just came to me. So yeah, I I don't know if that really answers your question, but I think it was more the freedom versus more rigidity um, too between the two for me. It does. And I think it gives everybody who's listening a great basis for the rest of our conversation as well, because I think everybody has different interpretations of those words. Mm-hmm. I think that's okay. Like there can be individualized meaning in either or both of them. Right. And I'm not saying again, that religion is wrong. I have found some great guidance and wisdom through religion and not just the one that I was brought up in and others as well too. Um, I think it's just for me, my journey required me to move away from religion for a while to find my own path. Um, And now I weave in pieces of it um, that work for me. Right. Beautiful. When you're working with clients, at least for me, my observation with my clients is a lot of them and a lot of women in general have a negative feeling towards money. They don't feel like wealth is, is something that they can attain, or they have set some really small limitations on what they think is available to them. So how do you connect kind of the divine sacred feminine and wealth um, and help your clients really see everything that is possible. And I presume bring, you start to bring some of that into their existence. Yeah. There's so much to go into with that question and I could talk for hours, but I think the first place to start is first not seeing wealth as something that is outside of ourselves at the root of the word wealth. It means whole, it means well-being, and it means of significant value. 
that is inherently who we are. So when we can see that wealth is not an accumulation of money, but it is a reflection of the abundance that we are, you're already on your way to having more wealth because now you are learning how to see it within yourself, value yourself, create a sacred relationship with yourself. When we can start there, then we can build upon um, the strategies to build wealth externally. But we oftentimes as a society start backwards. We start with the strategies and then we wonder why they're not working. We wonder why we are butting up against limitations. And it's because we haven't done the inner work to truly value ourselves and um, see ourselves as I call divinely worthy, our infinite nature, the power that already exists within us. And we need to heal those spiritual wounds that we've adopted through society, religion, our parents, all of those things. Once we heal that and can really form that sacred relationship with ourselves, then we can start to build wealth and attract what we are desiring. Okay. So how does that all work? In, a, in, in two seconds. <laughs> yes. How does that all work? Right. Well, I I would say um, there are two things. There are four stages of um, wealth in the ways that I've uh, worth as I have learned worth. We start with low self worth, um, asking, "Who am I to do this? Um, I'm afraid to fail." That person's doing it better than me. All of those questions that I still hear, I just don't pay attention or believe them, but we'll still hear them. We shift from that into a feeling of deservingness. We begin to feel deserving when we start to prioritize our self-care. From there, we move from deserving to confident. And that's where a lot of us stop. We stop at confidence. We think that what we really want to attain is to have more confidence in ourselves. But confidence is still relying on the external world to validate ourselves. If we put confidence in our ability to be a good coach and we take away the uh, the clients or the coaching practice, what happens? Our confidence plummets. So what we really want to be doing is not putting in confidence in what we do, but in confidence in who we are. And that's what I call divine worth. And that's really, really then adopting that sacred worthiness. Mm -hmm. um, and there are different ways to do that. Um, I map all of that out in my worthy and wealthy eight-week program, but it is a process and it is a process that we need to be patient with and give ourselves grace for. I think oftentimes too, as women, we judge ourselves for not being further along than we want to be. Um, there's society puts all that pressure on us. And so then we put that pressure on ourselves and we're exactly where we need to be. And if we can be compassionate with the choices that we've made and where we are, we remove that resistance and then we can move through those blocks a lot more quickly. Okay. And where do you see, or how do you see your clients shifting like once they start, they move past the confidence stage and and they are expanding and potentially taking on new roles, new jobs, new relationships, whatever it is that they're doing. What's the transformation? Once they do the hard work and it's just a short period of time, I find, I find that the transformation happens pretty quickly. I see the first sign that I see right before someone's um, income really skyrockets is I start to see women having honest conversations with whether they're partners, clients, 
setting boundaries, that sort of thing. They're really speaking up and out for what they deserve. So again, you're seeing that progression through those stages. And then they get that under their their belt. Like, okay, now I'm starting to get comfortable of having those tougher conversations. They've had that practice. And then I just love, then the texts start coming in. Oh my gosh, I just closed a $30,000 deal. I just did this. I just had my best month ever. It's almost instantaneous. So I can see, like I can predict when um, that transformation is going to happen. And again, it's pretty rapid. Once we begin to really understand that we deserve our success, once we work through those wounds and those blocks, that income really is reflected with the worth that we embrace in ourselves. Yeah. And do you feel like women in general don't feel like they deserve wealth? Um, I Yeah, I wouldn't for myself if someone had asked me, do you deserve wealth? I would have said, of course I do. So I don't think women come to me or or in general say, I don't deserve wealth. I find that there is a subconscious or unconscious belief that they aren't deserving of it, but it is definitely not conscious. I certainly did not believe that in myself. So if someone had said that to me, I would have said, you're crazy. No, I absolutely believe I deserve it. Um, so that's the work is, and that's why I coach people in that area is because they don't see that in themselves, but I can see it. And so we need to remove that so that they can get the wealth that they really desire. Yeah. It must be so amazing to see your clients make those shifts and transform. Oh my gosh. It is like, even in just a few months versus a year, I love the check-ins a year later. And it's like, oh my gosh, I'm living in my dream home and I am working 30 hours a week and I have soulmate clients and I'm doing this. And I just, I love it. And I love too, it's a lot of these women, most of the women are contributing to their favorite charities now in a big way too. And with my heart and soul in making a difference and in philanthropy, it just makes me so happy to see these women also spreading their wealth to other areas in the world too. Yeah. Because for me, the more money women make, and I've said this a number of times on the, on the podcast in different episodes, but the more money women make, the more impact we have economically, the more good that we can spread. Absolutely. We see that in the statistics and in the data. I mean, women who are CEOs of companies make decisions differently than most men. I don't want to say all men because there's some men making some really fantastic decisions in their businesses, but they tend to look at both the impact of people, the environment, the economy, their own families, their own health. And we need that um, vantage point. Um, that's more balanced. Yeah. Yeah. I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about some of your experiences because you've had an interesting journey as we all have. Um, but I was reading, as I said earlier, your about page on your website and kind of where you were at the age of 25 and, and it was a very different life that you were leading. So if you don't mind, would you share kind of what your personal transformation has been? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so important to tell these stories because oftentimes we see the finished product or the quote unquote finished product in a woman and we're like, oh my gosh, 
she just made it overnight and look at her success. And they don't realize that there are a lot of blood, sweat, and tears that went into that. And there's value in the low points. Um, and that was the very low point of my life at 25. I was in um, an emotionally abusive relationship, feeling very unworthy. I was in an unfulfilling job that looked glamorous, but I was in $40,000 credit card debt. Um, most of my relationships with my friends and family were um, in disarray because of the relationship that I was in. And I was very lost. I actually was beginning to think this is where I'm going to be forever. Um, it's so funny at 25 when you think that your life is over. <laughs> right? (laughs) I wasn't married. I didn't have the kids that my friends had. And just keep in mind, I came from the South. So by the time you graduate, you typically have those things. And so I felt behind. I just was judging myself and um, thought my life was over. I really thought that I was going to be stuck there forever. And there was this pivotal moment of me driving down an affluent neighborhood and I was driving my red Honda Civic beat up, tying the bumper on with a piece of rope. And I, it was the end of the day where people were coming home from work and I could see women and men pulling into their driveways from work, going into their homes, being greeted by their family members, chatting with neighbors out in the front lawn. Um, I could see people sitting down for dinner in the windows And everybody looked so happy and I was not, and I wanted what they had. And the minute I thought I want this, the voice in my head said, you can't have this. You're stuck here forever. You're always going to be poor. You're always going to be in debt. You're done. Um, No one's going to love you. The moment, and I had heard that voice actually many, many times and believed it. And that's why I was still stuck where I was. But in this case, the voice came up and said all those things. And immediately I heard another voice that said, you are meant for more. And it made me stop. And I knew it was the voice of the divine. I knew it was the truth. In that moment, I was able to receive that truth. And I, within a short period of time, got out of that abusive relationship, went and got my master's started to work with Jane Goodall. I became the youngest executive in my industry. I got out of debt within, I think it was a year's time, really, really fast. I mean, everything turned around, complete 180. And it took me believing that voice and choosing a new identity. I no longer wanted to identify with that inadequate and scarcity mindset. I decided in that moment that wealthy and worthy was who I was. And so every choice that I made following that moment had to align with this new identity. I studied about manifesting. I went to a coach. I went to therapy. I spent a lot of time retraining myself to value myself. Baths with candles, you know, getting flowers for myself, sitting in silence, meditating, I'm taking long walks in nature, all of those things that soothed my soul, my nervous system. 
and really got in touch with my dreams, began to learn how to trust my intuition again and trust my my gifts and slowly rebuilt my life and continued those practices in a more deeper way that got me to where I am today. Right. So it's been an incredible journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you make it sound simple and I know it was not, right? Because there has to be a lot of check-ins or moments where you're trying to be intentional and live and create this new identity, but you still have the old patterns that you're you're breaking or or intentionally changing. What was that like for you? Were there moments where you're like, this isn't working or um, you wanted to give up or was it just this continual gradual um, shift? Yeah, I'd say there were some hard moments. I remember going and writing forgiveness letters to every single person that I hurt through that abusive relationship. And that was hard having those tough conversations, going Mm -hmm. back to everybody and apologizing um, and owning and taking responsibility for my actions and my choices. When I decided that I wanted to work in the nonprofit world and really wanted to work with um, great apes and everybody told me that I was crazy. They're like, you cannot make money doing that. Who are you to think that you could do this? So I had a lot of negative um, voices coming at me, even though I was still learning how to listen to my own voice. So that was really tough of really just like, okay, how do I keep the divine's voice louder than my own negative voice, the voices of others. And honestly, what I did is I hold myself up for six years. I was almost like a hermit. So in some ways it still felt very lonely and very disconnected. I didn't date. Um, I had a few close friends, but it was a lonely period, but it, absolutely allowed me to amplify the right voice. And I'm not suggesting that that's going to be anyone else's path. I don't think I needed to do that for six years, but for me, that was the healing journey that just happened to take place. But yeah, it was a bit isolating and a bit lonely, but it also in the journey of um, getting to the nonprofit career that I so deeply desired at the time, I put together a vision board of all the things that I wanted. Um, I wanted to live in the South again, closer to my family. I wanted to have a specific title. I wanted a certain income, all of these things that I wanted. I put on my vision board and I actually put the date in the center of the time that I wanted it. And it was like April 14th. So it was like right before my birthday. And everybody still said, you're never going to do this, all of that. And April 14th came and passed. And well, actually, no, yes, April 14th came. And I was like, okay, it hasn't happened. And the question that you asked, is this really working? I didn't allow myself to ask if it's working or not. I just kept going and just kept ignoring the voices. In the evening of April 14th, I got a call from an, a, a chimpanzee sanctuary in Louisiana, out of, almost out of the blue, asking me <laughs> if I would come down and interview the next day. Flew down there. They were about to offer the position to somebody else. They saw my resume and I got the job offer like a day or two after the date on my vision board. It happened so, so fast. And that was actually the turning point for my career in so many ways. 
So yes, I, I did hear those negative voices. There were hard times, there were lonely times, but I really had to put the structures in place for me to hear the right voice. And that would be my recommendation to anyone listening. You can feel out what's right for you. Again, it doesn't have to be six years in isolation, but find what's right for you to tune out the negative voices and turn up the positive, empowering voices. Yeah. And interesting that you're saying that because when... Um, in 2019, when I sold my townhouse, I was in this, my kids were in college and out and I was like, yay, hallelujah, freedom. But it was also a time of being more outward facing. And now I'm, as I've moved into Charlotte, it's like, oh, I just want to be still and quiet and friends and have a social life. But the, there's a sense of groundedness that I feel like coming into this space that I'm super excited about to see like, well, what comes out of that, but I'm aware of the shifts. And I think there's periods in anybody's life where having more quietness, stillness, silence, whatever you want to throw in there is like, we have to honor that. Absolutely. Yeah. I commend you for honoring that because like, I don't know if you're the same way, but I find that sometimes I do them in big pendulum swings. So I'll be in this season that's really quiet. And then I'm like, all right, I'm done with the quiet. And then I go into this crazy busy period of life. And then I'm like, where's the silence? And so I'm trying to weave more of like what I call like sacred pauses Mm -hmm. in my life. And this summer, I'm trying to be really intentional about balancing that a little bit more. But have you seen those pendulum swings in your life as well? Yeah. And the universe when I'm too like where I'm not honoring that and I'm supposed to slow down, like the universe creates things for me to be like, all right, uh-huh. fine. <laughs> we're going to lay right there. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it, as I've gotten older, it's, I can feel it and I can hear like the, just be still in the back. Mm-hmm. Of my head. Okay. I will be still. Yes. And, and not that I'm overly busy. Um, I think at this point, but it's interesting to have that and really honor it and be like, all right, I'm going to sit here for half an hour more and just meditate and allow the thoughts to come in. And it's been cool because that's where for me, creativity starts to really come into play and I can really expand what what's possible and what the, yes. next, you know, the next layer is and and I was sharing before we hit record was I was driving down to Charlotte from Philly you know all this exhaling and the next piece of that was like I got this huge download of what the next five to ten years could be and that's cool and super fun I love that yeah yeah I think also that's the beauty of aging is that we're more in tune with our bodies and with our intuition of when we need to take that break. It's like these little clues of our body saying, okay, it's time for silence. It's time for rest. And then being able to be open for those downloads. I don't know. I see that more as I'm getting older, being able to Mm -hmm. recognize that sooner. Yeah. Well, as I said, for me, it's fun. Like I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. How can I make this thing that like, I have no idea how to do? How do I start getting that into my real or bring it into my reality? And some of us are talking about it at this point. Like I'm not even trying to create a plan or anything else. 
So Yeah, but we also like sometimes plans get in the way of that creativity. So I think just being open to it yeah. could reveal so much more than we even anticipated. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited for you. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, this is going to be a great landing spot for quite a while, as I said. For you um, and for everybody who's listening, how, how can somebody start identifying themselves as being ready to be more worthy or ready to expand um, and, and look at wealth in a different way? Right? Mm-hmm. It's easy to be like, of course I want wealth and mm-hmm. still we're pushing it away. I think if you can drop into your body and feel both that fear and excitement, I think people pay a lot of attention to the excitement. They want that good feeling. And I think we learn that in manifesting as well as like focus on the positive thoughts, focus on the good feelings. And there's yes. And if you don't focus on the fear or those other feelings that we're so accustomed to pushing down or ignoring, that's going to be the block. So get in tune. If you're feeling like you're on the precipice of something great and there's both this excitement and fearful feeling, I think that's when you're actually ready for this work. And now it's time for us to explore the fear and not even so much as to heal it because healing it suggests that it shouldn't be there. I think everything has a purpose. It's learning how to love it and have compassion for it and see it as a friend that's trying to protect you and learning how to work with it will open up the next step too. That's creating a sacred relationship with yourself because you're creating a sacred relationship with all aspects of ourselves rather than judging part of ourselves. Oftentimes we judge the people pleaser in us, the self-sabotage part of us. Instead, look at it as compassionately as a friend, seeing like there's a purpose for it to be here. How can I work with it? And that I think is oftentimes the first step in that sacred relationship. I also think too, again, Money is a reflection of what is inside of us. And so I actually call this transformation around building a a sacred relationship with wealth is the trinity of transformation, where you transform yourself, you transform the relationship with the divine, you transform your relationship with money. It's almost like a triangle. And once you transform this sacred relationship with yourself, you're going to see it reflected in your relationship with the divine. You're going to see it reflected in your relationship with wealth. And then you build from there. Right. Right. And I love that you're saying sacred relationship because Mm -hmm. it for me means that you're really honoring yourself and, and everything that you are and still what's possible for you. Yes. Yes, absolutely. To me, sacred is something that is set apart, that is of significant value, something that's precious Um, and seeing ourselves like that. And again, turning up that voice a bit more so that we can really honor that part of ourselves. Yeah. Well, and it's beautiful. And Mm. I, I feel like we don't spend enough time honoring or having a sacred relationship with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Men or, women, 
like not yeah. just not women, but men yeah. as men. Because we're so busy, it's so easy to focus on all of the external noise and the to-do list. Yeah. It makes life so much richer, I think, when we think of ourselves as being sacred or when we see every experience as being sacred, like us just talking to each other right now is a sacred moment. Or someone could look at this and say, it's merely a recording of a podcast. Well, I would love to see that. No, we're actually two beautiful souls connecting and empowering women right now. That is such a sacred and important practice that we're engaging in. And just looking at things from that perspective and that lens makes, you know, the mundane of our days more special. I agree because I can't have this conversation with any other human because this is the conversation that you and I are having. Mm-hmm. I can have similar topics, but the conversation and the parts that are most important or that touch me or touch the other person are going to be very different. Yes. Uh, and that's part of what I really enjoy about some of those small moments with my friends or my kids or anybody when you're really truly present is that's what matters. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And when we see each other, I mean, the person bagging your groceries is a reflection of the divine. If you realize you're actually looking at a soul right now, a spiritual being that is part of the divine, that is connected to you. Wow. What a miracle that is, right? It's so incredible. Yeah. So yeah, that's what really helps me get through days that are really challenging and get through, I don't even want to say get through, but move through the world um, when it can be so depressing and so scary Mm -hmm. is taking a step back and seeing the truth of what it is. Because I oftentimes think we think the truth is what we see on the news, what we're seeing in front of us with our eyes. And that is not the truth. We can start to see the world through sacred and spiritual eyes, we're going to have a much richer experience in our lives. Right. Right. I agree. Like I'm just taking it all in and all the external stuff is, is just components or pieces of the world and what we want to create out of it. So we can look mm-hmm. at anything, I think, and find something positive and um, we don't have to respond to it either. Yes, exactly. There's a lot of choice. Yeah. In that. Yeah. I want to talk about your um your course, Worthy and Wealthy. It's eight weeks. How can people benefit from it? Who's who's somebody that should check this course out? And of course the link will be in the show notes for easy access. But um, why'd you create it? Tell me, tell me everything. Yeah. So at first, most of my programs were focusing just on women in general. And then I realized too with this incredible increase in women entering the entrepreneurial world, I wanted to be there to support them in meeting and exceeding their goals, particularly as it relates to wealth. So um, women who want to hit a six or or seven figure goal, um, what can they do to really 
overcome, transcend those feelings of unworthiness. I see unworthiness as really that piece that most women get stuck on. And I see from so many other programs and coaches that the advice is you need to increase your self-worth to be a successful entrepreneur, to reach your goals. But most of those programs and most of those coaches don't teach us how to increase our self-worth. So I really wanted to create something that walked women through how to increase their self-worth so that they could show up authentically, fully in their businesses and really create that sacred relationship with their business, with themselves, with wealth. Um, And these are tools that they can continue to take on. So even if a woman is early on in their business endeavor and wanting to just hit six figures, they are welcome to come. And if there's a woman that has been hitting six figures and is ready to hit her seven figures, this will work for them as well too. The, the lessons and the steps remain the same, but there's just a deepening of that depending on where you are in your business. And I just really think it's important again, for women to hold wealth. Um, and for more women to have successful companies, to see their businesses thrive, to see how resourceful they are, because <laughs> when they find that they don't have to rely on specific strategies, they can rely on themselves, they can trust in themselves, they can follow their intuition, and that will lead them to more magic than they can imagine. I want women to really see how that that can not just affect their businesses, but all areas of your life because worth extends to all areas. Relationships improve, Mm -hmm. your health improves, business improves, wealth improves. So this is really an up level in all areas of your life, um, even though it is really focused on business and wealth. Right. Well, and how you do one thing is how you do everything. So Absolutely. If you're worthy yeah. in your business, you're worthy, more worthy with yourself, your relationships and everything around you. Yes. Yes. So, all right. Well, everybody should check that out. And as I said, the, the link is in the show notes, so you have easy access to it. What's next for you as we're moving through 2023? Yeah, well, um, I have been collaborating with um, other women and really trying to build um, collaboration. I think that's so important. And I'm really focusing on multi-generation collaborations too. I think so often we don't necessarily value uh, the wisdom that women in their forties, fifties and beyond have to give. And so I've been doing a lot of collaboration and just actually did one with Dr. Edith Eager, who um, is a Holocaust survivor. She's 95 years old. Mm-hmm. She was on Oprah's Super Soul Sunday. And we are in the midst of a few different collaborations um, as well. And just really, really underscoring the importance of worthiness and uh, honoring ourselves. And her story is incredible. She's written the New York times bestseller, the choice. So if you all have not read it, please read that. It's an incredible book, but again, just weaving in so many different voices um, is a focus that I am, am embarking on over the next few months too. That's really exciting. Yeah. Yeah, it is. 
Wonderful. Jennifer, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I've loved our conversation. Oh, I have too. Yeah. Because I mean, there's so much room, I think, for expansion in in our own self-worth. Yes, absolutely. It's always a work in progress. There's no end point to it. So um, it's great to have me here. Thank you so much. Um, I really enjoyed our conversation as well. Same here. It's my hope that you find at least one nugget of value in each episode of Women Who Build Empires. And if that's true, please follow and share Women Who Build Empires with your friends and leave a review on Apple Podcast. Your support is what will help this podcast be found by more women just like you.